Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast normally about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she really wanted to go to that Paul Simon concert. It's my sister, Marissa. You know, there's a girl in New York City who calls herself the human trampoline. Is it me? I don't know. Do you? I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think I'm that poetic about my heartbreak. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm just more like... <laughs> um, so while we are waiting for the good place to come back please come back i know we miss you we're looking at other shows that are related to the good place in some way and uh june is ted danson equals terrific dude month so we've watched uh made in america (laughs) which was great (laughs) according to some compared to this yes 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 actually (laughs) we've watched cheers which was actually enjoyable yeah. Um, and today we're talking about Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I mean, and I think at the top, we should say we picked this not because Ted Danson has like the biggest role in it, but because it was available to us. A lot of Ted Danson yeah. material is not. So we picked what we could find. But And so this we'll- is sort of like this is one of his more famous things he's done in the last like 10 years, I would say. Like this is something people I think know him for. Because it was kind of a big show. Yeah, for some reason. For some reason. We'll get to that. This is a salty pod today, guys. (laughs) Um, But before we get to the saltiness, a couple just quick housekeeping things. You can find us on iTunes, uh, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. If you can, please rate and review us on iTunes. That would be lovely. and You get some good place points for that. Uh, you can also follow and like us on Facebook at The Good Play. Marissa runs that group. Twitter at The Good Play Pod. Uh, Marissa runs that Twitter. And <laughs> Gmail at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. You can send us an email like our good buddy Mitch from last week. Hi, Mitch, if you're still listening. What up, Mitch? Do we want to dive in? How do we want to handle this? I guess. I guess we're talking about this. So we. <laughs> Wait, can I say my thesis at the top? Absolutely. For Curb. So I've never seen Curb Your Enthusiasm. But Nor I, I. But I knew Larry David from Seinfeld. I think we all know Larry David from Seinfeld. Surely yeah. we do. So I was like, oh, well, if this is like Seinfeld, then, you know, I should enjoy it. And as I got, like, I had to pause multiple times through like a 28 minute episode. And I was like, oh, this is <laughs> I know not a good sign. <laughs> These are an hour long, right? Oh, no, they're only 28 minutes. It oh, wow. It feels okay. like a lifetime. <laughs> it does. But I, I thought to myself tonight, I was like, what am I going to say on the podcast? And I was like, oh, you know, this is sort of like uh, Seinfeld is sort of like curb your enthusiasm filtered through the charm of. <gasps> That's the exact word I was using in Jerry my head. Jerry Seinfeld, Jason Alexander, Julia Louis Dreyfus, everybody. I mean, and let's not talk about the racist, right? <laughs> yes, I in my head I was like, oh, so this is a charmless, almost humorless version of Seinfeld. Great, glad because, I signed myself up for this. Yeah, because it has the sort of like narrative, all the different threads kind of mm-hmm. like come together at the which end, which doesn't work as well when you're only focusing on one character. But whatever. And also, it doesn't work as well when you're focused on a character that like 
what is he doing and like why are we why are we following somebody who has like no charm and seemingly no ambitions and i mean larry david's clearly a brilliant guy seinfeld is one of the funniest i mean it's really yeah we should think of an excuse to watch some of it for this show at some point maybe ted do you think ted danson ever did a guest spot or anybody Uh, we know probably not but who Um, knows let's let's but you know it is the to me it was the charm it's like it's like the people the the thing about Seinfeld is that the people on Seinfeld were terrible people but they got away with it kind of narratively because like they're all funny and charming and at the end of the day like you kind of root for them because you see their point of view about all these other people in their orbit not so with this show yeah it's so like if you my... took George Costanza and you aged him up 30 years and he had no friends. <laughs> he had no friends and he also wasn't as self-aware. I think that's one of the other things about Seinfeld that, I mean, we're getting into the discussion maybe before, maybe I'm getting too far into the discussion, but I think there's a self-awareness about Seinfeld that those characters have about the fact that like they're all a little... Like, their standards are a little bit too high, or they're a little bit too I mean, picky. they... Uh, the showrunners put them in prison in the finale for being terrible people. Yeah. And it was very clearly totally deserved. <laughs> yes. But, uh, like... Spoilers for a 20-year-old episode of Seinfeld. Yeah. But, I mean, but they all kind of... Like, when they're in the jail cell at the end, they're all kind of like, yeah. Like, they're self-aware, right? This show seemed to lack the charm and the self-awareness which is like if you're gonna have if you're not gonna have one you really need the other you know <laughs> I, I feel like i feel like probably larry david the showrunner executive producer writer or whatever like does have the self-awareness yeah which is why he's always writing himself to be like not the sympathetic one right maybe in a lot of this stuff but the character he plays as himself on the show doesn't seem to have the self-awareness yeah which might be yeah that might be a good way of parsing it so I've gotten a little bit ahead of it, but I, I just needed to get that out there because I think I'm going to be like grumbling through a lot of the uh, recaps if we, if oh, we it was so, do. It was so hard recap. to get through these two episodes. Like It was only an hour's worth of television. I was like, I would rather watch Made in America seven more times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, this or like Will Smith on a moped, like give me Will Smith on a moped any <laughs> yeah, day of the exactly. week. exactly. It's not even a hard choice. So do we want to do like a... F- I did a full recap because I thought these episodes were going to have plots. And by the time I realized they didn't, <laughs> I was like already in. So <laughs> they're just trying to park for 24 minutes. <laughs> but that was okay. I'm getting... I'm, we got to... talk. Let's talk about this and then I can yell more about why Seinfeld is better. Eh? So do you, we, to, do you want me to run through these recaps you've written? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can you can truncate them. Yeah, I don't believe me. I will. Yeah, uh, okay. The, so we watched two episodes, and they were the I think they were the first two episodes that had Ted Danson in them. So it was season yeah. one, episode two, and season three, episode one. I, apparently, the whole season three arc is this restaurant that he and Ted Danson kind of invest in, and Ted Danson is playing Ted Danson. I should say. Yeah. Um, Everybody on the show is playing like who they are. So well, not they, everybody. There are people who come in and play characters, oh, okay. but they the two of them are playing themselves. And Mary Steenburgen is, you know, Ted Danson's wife is playing his wife. And I believe there is a plot at some point where Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen, like, 
like are on the rocks and Ted Danson starts dating Larry David's wife or ex-wife or something or vice versa. Like it's very clear in this first episode that Larry has a crush on Mary Steenburgen. Um, yeah, that made me uncomfortable. Yep. <laughs> but so there's like all these plot threads, but we just watched, you know, he's in the second episode of the whole series and we watched that. And then we watched sort of the first episode of the restaurant arc. And then mm-hmm. I'm glad that I didn't, you know, commit us to any more episodes than that. <laughs> yeah. Because no, thank you. So in that season one, episode two, it's called Ted and Mary. And it's all about the relationship that Larry David and his wife, Cheryl, who, by the way, is like not his real life wife. She's an actress. And I don't think Larry David's even married in real life. So Larry David and his wife, Cheryl, have this nice like two on two date with Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen. And then it just becomes this whole awkward thing. I I bet you that that could be used as the plot synopsis for every episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Then it just becomes this whole awkward thing. Yeah, I think think that's like the name of this episode. Then it just becomes this whole awkward thing. Where like Larry David kind of has a crush on Mary Steenburgen, but he isn't crazy about Ted Danson, so he goes shopping at Barney's with Mary and her mother. I don't know if that's her, his, that's her real mother in the show. I have no idea. I would probably doubt it, but who I would doubt it too. And, and Cheryl is like, you never go shopping. Like, what are you talking about? And Larry, like, buys a jacket to match Mary Steenburgen's jacket. And he, like, loses his shoes at a bowling alley. So he orders shoes. But then he ends up screwing over the shoe sales guy by, because uh, he gets his original shoes back. So then he decides, like, not to buy the shoes. And that really messes with the, you know, the, the guy at Barney's who ordered him the shoes. Like, that's not good for that guy. Are there any other sort of high points that I didn't? The oh, Paul so Simon concert. Thank you. Yeah. So, so Mary and Ted kind of invite Lara, Larry and Cheryl to a, a Paul Simon concert, and Larry and Cheryl get the date wrong. They think it's supposed to be Friday, and they think they've been like rebuffed by oh, because there's this thing where Larry has lunch with Mary and her mother, and it's just really kind of gross thing where Larry accidentally takes a sip of water from Mary's mother's cup, and when she says, "Oh, honey, that's my water," he's like, Bleh! "It's just like." <laughs> what like, and he tries to cover it act. for like five whole minutes he like tries to cover it up like it was something else and it's just so awkward and he thinks that got them uninvited from the paul simon concert but it turns out paul simon's doing three shows and uh mary and ted invite them to the sunday show but larry goes up ends up going alone and the the Dancing Steenburgen clan ends up going to see Bill and Hillary Clinton instead. I wish I could have done the same thing. (laughs) Yes. It's a real thing. Apparently they like are legit friends with those, with those guys. And so then uh, Larry ends up at the Paul Simon concert with just Mary Steenburgen's mother. And she like falls asleep on him. And, but he's in like a fancy box. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's so far away from like the real crowds. And then it just kind of ends on that. There was one like music cue I actually thought was pretty good good what was the paul simon song that they were singing in still crazy in the... after all these years yeah i mean there is there's some lyrics in that that are like um i'm not the kind of man who tends to socialize i seem to lean on old familiar ways i'm doing this by memory so it might be a little bit off and i ain't no fool for love songs that whisper in my ears still crazy after all these years i mean and i thought that was actually like a pretty decent descriptor of larry david <laughs> yeah so i was like oh that's kind of apt that was that was interesting yeah. But that's sort of that's episode. That's that. Episode. I also couldn't tell not to like dissect these episodes too much, but I also couldn't tell whether or not he was making up that Cheryl couldn't go. I have no idea. 
because he wanted to spend more like creepy crush time with Mary Steenburgen or not. But he thought Ted was going to be there. So that doesn't make as much sense. Yeah, maybe. Honestly, it's like not worth examining. No. So that was the first one we watched. And the second one we watched was the first episode of season three. And it's all about how there's going to be this like hot new roast restaurant on Ocean, which I assume is like a major thoroughfare in L.A. I actually don't know. Kind of makes sense. Street I live on in uh, Brooklyn, but I don't think that's what they're talking about. (laughs) No, I doubt it. And I guess Jeff Garland is like his like good friend in the show. His manager. I I looked it up. Oh, okay. Jeff is Jeff Garland's like a really good guy. I've heard him interviewed a lot, and I like really like him. He's the he's the captain in Wally. That's how I think of him. He's the one who says "stupid wheel" at the end. Uh, so Jeff is like encouraging Larry to invest in this restaurant. It's like, oh, Ted Danson's doing it. So uh, there's a few plot threads in this episode. This one was more like a Seinfeld episode. Yeah. But again, all the plots center around Larry David. So it's really not as effective. So there's the restaurant investor thread that kind of puts him back in the path of Ted Danson. There is who is the, now a silver fox. I don't know what happened in the uh, <laughs> in the two three years bef- uh, between seasons, but I was like, oh hello. Well, he was very obviously dyeing his hair in that first season, and it yeah, was I not attractive. So. I was like, oh, you gotta let go of that Ted Danson, just and go gray. He and he does, and, was and like, it looks great. You look fantastic. He always Good has job. great hair. Well, oh, so there's right. So there's the restaurant investment thread that puts him in the path of Ted Danson. There is the dentist thread where he, in, I mean, this was the most contrived weird thing where his dentist calls and says he wants to have dinner and 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 Larry pretends that they're out of town and can't come to his dinner. And then the third thread is this friend or designer of theirs who they like hire to do design work. Not who, even that. They hired her to frame a painting. Well, but there's other stuff too, right? Because Cheryl is talking with her about like, she's, they're talking, they're discussing catalogs, right? Oh, so there's more, okay. there's okay. more design work that this woman does. I forget what her name is, but Barbara, her husband died very unexpectedly four months prior. And, and so that's, and, and, and in a photo of the dead husband, he's wearing this very particular shirt and that's sort of. The dead husband and the th- and the shirt are sort of the third thread of the narrative, and they all end up twisting together. <sighs> I, it's just so tedious to even explain. It's like, you know, the restaurant throws him in the path of Ted Danson, who invites him to his daughter's birthday, sorry, his granddaughter's fifth birthday party, and his granddaughter ends up hitting Larry David in the face with a baseball bat, you know, from the pinata thing. And he ends up having to go, you know, call his dentist for an emergency appointment. But this is the dentist whose invitation he just turned down. So that's awkward. Meanwhile, he bought three of the last three of these shirts in existence. And the first one, he gets all bloody with his tooth blood. And the second one, he tries to give to Ted Danson, who it has a little hole in it. So he like turns it down. And the third one, he's wearing it when and the bereaved white widow comes to their house to drop off some design work and sees him wearing it. And she like cries all over him and gets like mascara on it, which just sort of raises the question of like, has Larry David never heard of a dry cleaner? (laughs) Like 
pretty sure that this might be salvageable with the work of a professional. Yeah. And then he and Ted Danson end up fighting over the, like the remaining shirt and, and, and tearing it in half, like the opposite of the end of the Solomon story. <laughs> That's kind of all I want to say about that plot. Yeah. So it's like all these strands and it's, 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 it's very similar to an episode of Seinfeld. But yeah, like it, this one, I definitely felt like I could see, you know, Jason Alexander saying like, that's the end of this dentist. Let me just tell you something, you know, oh, like, absolutely. like I could see that, but I think it's just, I just, it was just interminable. I don't <laughs> yeah, know how really to describe. Was. Somehow it was 28 minutes and it never ended. But like, I, I, I but I don't know how to describe other than the charm, like what is the difference or I maybe there's not a difference. And I just sort of look at, I think part of my issue is that like, maybe uh, I, I know that Cheryl Hines won an Emmy, a couple Emmys for this show. Okay. Maybe we just didn't see the episodes where she gets to do something other than look at him incredulously. But I, was, <laughs> I, I just I kept having the thought that was like, it was like a tough job for her to pretend that she was married to him because who would want that's to? That's how I felt. Literally, I was like, I was like, I'm watching this staged person, like you know, these people read lines for 28 minutes, and it's difficult for like I don't want to be around this guy. And I'm electing to watch this show. I'm thinking about her as a real person and going like, I don't understand how she's married to him. I don't understand it. Well, she's not. Oh, you're talking about in the show. In the show. In the show. Like, because look, there are plenty of marriages on the show where like, or on, on shows, I should say, there are plenty of marriages or relationships where they seem like a mismatch. But at the end of the day, you... There is a plot thread or there is a moment where you see like why they are together or why they have chemistry or, for example, we talked about this with Cheers. We talked about this with Ted Danson, who at that point was not a silver fox and uh, Shelley Long, not Shelley Duvall. We (laughs) talked about this with them where it's like they're mismatched, but they have a chemistry. They have a back and forth and they clearly care about each other. And there is some push and pull there. And... With this, it just felt like, God, she's just like... Oh, yeah, it was never-ending resentment. Not even humoring him. Not even like... She's just like, oh, I bet that was... Like, oh, they took your idea seriously? How did that go over? Like, Yeah, she was 100% right, by the way. I mean, 100% right, but if you're in that relationship... like, And he comes home, and he's in the second episode that we watched, and he's just like, I bet everybody's working against him all the time, right? He can never take responsibility for anything. And it's like, I bet this, I bet she hit me in the face on purpose. It's like, she's a five-year-old girl. five. Yeah. And someone, and somehow can spell A-S-S-H-O-L-E, which I promise you there are probably the number of five-year-olds who can do that is in the single digits. Well, it's Ted Danson's progeny, so they're (laughs) probably brilliant. But like, you know, that's the thing is that, you know, Larry David just, Every situation he makes even more dramatic just by being ornery, like just by being his ornery self and everybody in his orbit. I think part of the thing with Seinfeld is that the friend group is full of people who just egg each other on and like are ridiculous with each other and get into scrapes together. And so you kind of feel like kind of like what you said, where 
there are plot threads that revolve around each of the characters and they the brilliance of it is that it kind of all coalesces like but also the 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 forces that were arrayed against the four main characters in seinfeld often were like ludicrous and and arbitrary and awful right like um jay peterman or uh (laughs) george steinbrenner or um jerry's parents Jerry's parents, or George's parents, or George's parents, who I loved, or Uncle Leo, or they just had a lot of people in their lives. Susan, (sighs) oh, poor Susan. Yeah, they just had a lot of people in their lives who acted badly, and so their bad behavior kind of it was almost like they got they gave as good as they got a lot of times. Yeah, that's a that's like who is going? Who can react with a straight face to Jay Peterman's demands of Elaine? Right. Yeah, that's true. Like, she has to yeah. wear the urban sombrero, and she has to like write the <laughs> write the ad copy for it. And he thinks it's like the best thing he's ever seen, and it's like he's ridiculous. And, yeah. and so her maybe cruelty towards him or mockery of him is like, yeah, any of us in the same situation would be like, who the fork owns an urban sombrero? And in a way, in that situation, she's punching up because she's yes. Because he's the wealthy, you know, business owner, and she's just the employee in that situation, right? Or you know, you got some, and because these all these four people were single, you also, if they had bad chemistry with one of the people, or if one of the people didn't humor them, it wasn't this thing where we've set up like, you know, Susan was probably the closest thing to an outsider coming in and being like, "What is." your life and why do you <laughs> live this way right she was but she was you know uh not long for this show uh or this world unfortunately with that character but the the foils that they may have had in their romantic relationships were oftentimes very like a lot of flashes in the pan and except oh, for Kronk. oh yeah that's right that guy I think Patrick Warburton is his actual name, but he will always be Kronk Kronk. in my head. That's right, from Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, I mean, but but a lot of times, like, the point of their relationship failures was that it was their fault, right? Like, Jerry specifically is, like, incredibly picky for no reason. And, you know, like, she had man hands, like, all of that stuff. But... It's supposed to be funny because we're not supposed to sympathize. Like, we're just... Our sympathies are elsewhere. I think with with Cheryl, it's like... Yeah, like you said, never-ending resentment. And there's also no... Unless they... I don't know, maybe they get divorced later or something. But, like, there's, there's no relief for her. Like, that scene where they're sitting on the couch because they think they've been stood up by Ted Danson. And they're just listening to Still Crazy after all these years... And he's sort of singing along, like he's. All, did you notice that he's only able to sing sing along because he's reading the liner notes of the CD? Yes, <laughs> like he doesn't actually know the words. He's yeah. reading the liner notes, which I have yeah. nothing but contempt for. And she just, without a word, like she's lying on the couch, and he's sort of feeling wallowing, right, feeling sorry for himself, and she just, without a word, gets up off the couch. And goes into another room. There's no punchline to it. There's no humor. There's no... Well, most of it is not... There are there are no punchlines and no humor. Right. Unless you consider supreme awkwardness to be a punchline. Which I do not. 
But there's a, it's just, I don't know. I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what the, like with Seinfeld, I can, I can understand why they're all friends, right? Because, because they're, they're all, all terrible people. Kind of terrible and weird, but they egg each other on and they have these like, you know, weird relationships with each other. But with Larry David, like everybody else in his life I mean, I think to your point, like the things that people in Seinfeld were up against were all like absurd and ridiculous. And so, like you said, they gave as good as they got. It just seemed like everybody on the show was like, okay, Larry, like whatever, and just worked around him. It wasn't clear at all to me why they would even invite him to invest in this restaurant. Like, like, no, thank you. You know, like we will find money elsewhere and we will be fine. And we don't need Larry David, like, poking his head into this project yeah i mean like the minute he started being like you know you can never get a waiter's attention i think everybody should have bells i was like oh what's gonna happen is they're gonna tell him to get out and he's gonna like learn a lesson no they were like uh we don't know about that but can we take your money right which i'm not saying that's unrealistic necessarily but i mean how much money could he really i guess i don't i don't have any sense of a lot of this was i think also possibly the reason that seinfeld works so much better than the show does is because of the setting new york versus los angeles and this is just like my deep east coast bias speaking but new york is so much better than los angeles it's like not even a contest and i mean i love new york obviously la is a hellscape we just came back from it it's a hellscape and you know all the and their whole lives were they these did not seem to be working people right Oh, and these in, were, in this show. In this show. These yeah. were the idle rich who were strolling around the palm tree lined streets of Los Angeles, shopping on, you know, Santa Monica Boulevard or whatever. Going to Barney's. Going to Barney's. Like they were just doing the things you do when you live in LA and you have too much money and you have assistance and you have a big house where you put your framed pictures or whatever. And and what, one of the great things about Seinfeld was that it, it was very of New York and they were eating at a diner and they were in and out of each other's apartments. And like it had such a sense of place that felt like dynamic and rich and lending so much energy to the show. Whereas L.A. seems to like suck the life out of things. <laughs> sort of oh. the way that I felt about the Megan Amram sort of series of videos where it was just like oh the point of this is that la is a horrible place (laughs) maybe i mean look new girl takes place in la they don't do a lot of like on location stuff so i don't know how much of it is actually in la and like that show i think is really zippy and has a lot of energy so but that's also a show about people who are scraping by and were or not scraping by but like they're working for a living like they that's a show about Four people who live in a loft because they can't afford to live uh, without roommates in L.A., which is a much more relatable thing. And I mean, at least in Seinfeld, like they all had their own places, but they were like Elaine had to put up with Peterman because she needed a job. George had to put up with Steinbrenner because he needed a job. And, you know, sometimes they had these like weird schemes or whatever, like, but it was almost like. Kramer was the weird one because he wasn't working. Whereas like, you're right. I think in this show, it's a different tone. Like they're all just sort of sitting around and there's no, like, I didn't get a, like an ethos. I didn't really get what anybody's motivations were at any point. 
And maybe this is a show without motivations, but I don't know. It almost seemed like Larry David was investing in the restaurant to, like, have something to do. <laughs> right. Which is kind of weird, right? And he's, like, and he's like, you know, like, we could go and hang out there and I can talk to people. And she's like, oh, you're going to talk to people? And he, she's like, you hate talking to people. And he's like, well, I hate talking to people I know. And I was like, okay, I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> Again, a place where... You might think there would be a joke, but unless you consider the thing that Brianna just recited verbatim to be a joke, there's no joke. <laughs> or, look, I would have taken... I mean, Seinfeld is is famous, famously a show about nothing, but, you know, in the later seasons, Jerry and George are, you know, kind of become showrunners for Jerry's, like, on-air sitcom. It's kind of like a nest Show within doll. a show, Yeah. Well, it's more, it's almost like a like an MC Escher like Yeah. It is. <laughs> the like thing a itself is house the mirror. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this I almost would have taken a show about somebody like Larry David who has a lot of success in one industry thinking he's the cat's pajamas and deciding to with all of his money now invest in a new industry like the restaurant industry and realizing that like he doesn't know anything about the restaurant industry. And he has to kind of that like, may be what season three kind of may, is all about. Maybe it is, or maybe it's just a bunch of like plot threads that lead to nowhere. Who knows? We're not going to find so out. No, we're not. We're never. I'm never watching the show again. You hold a gun to my head. I'm not watching this again. I'll be like, please put on Made in America. Thank you very much. So let's I need I, tea let, cake. Let's talk about um, Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen a little bit. Sure. Since that's the actual reason we watch this show. Yeah. Mary Steenburgen is a delight. She's yeah, a complete she delight where she when she appears. She's just like a ray of sunshine and you just feel like, run, Mary, run. Not Larry David. No, no, run from Larry David, who is like macking on you in the most is this is the second episode of the entire series. This is how Larry David wants to showcase Introduce his himself. brand Yes. His brand new show. Here I am, world. I'm hitting on a famously married woman. And I also have, like, a very nice-looking wife at home who is, like, much 20 younger years than me. my junior, at least. Yep. Yep, yep. I'm just going to reiterate, there's nothing in that relationship that seems worth it. I'm, I'm trying to think about other couples, like, you know, Homer Simpson and Marge Simpson, right? Like, Homer Simpson's, like, kind of a fork-up. But, like, they love each other. He loves her. And it's very apparent that he loves her, even though, and she accepts him for, even though he's like a total fork up. I mean, I know that's an animated show, but it just. She is 18 years his junior, I okay. should say. No, no. <laughs> I, I, Cheryl Hines, do something else. It's a, it's a, it's a gig. Let's not, let's not take a crap on her for taking a gig. No, no, no. I just, I mean, like, as his, like, I'm, I'm talking to her as if they're married. Okay. Do something else. To be clear, they're not married. Yes. <laughs> Just so everybody, I think a lot of people actually do get that wrong about the show, and they're not married in real life. I thought life. that they were married. Yeah, no, they're it's not. it's supposed to be about his life. No, he decided to, it, it's this very weird blend of fiction and nonfiction in that show. So Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen, as I said, Mary Steenburgen is this delightful creature who just, every scene she's in, you know, you just want to watch her, and she's so... Wonderful. Uh, Ted Danson is is kind of a mixed bag in this show. Yeah, I agree. He sometimes is affable, but it's never fully 
friendly. And when he comes to apologize for his granddaughter hitting Larry David in the face, he couches the apology in a way that makes him seem like the jerk when he's really not. You know, it's nothing to do with him. His granddaughter accidentally hit Larry David in the face with a pinata bat. It's not Ted Danson's fault. But neither is it Larry David's fault. And yet the two of them end up fighting in this really, like, unbecoming way. Where Ted Danson says, you shouldn't have called me an asshole in front of her. And Larry David freaks out about how pinatas are stupid. Which, I mean, look, maybe if I had just had my teeth, my front teeth replaced, I would probably also be freaking out about the fact that pinatas are stupid. But they can't even kind of get, like, a a decent apology going between them. Yeah. And it makes Ted Danson seem like a jerk in a way that kind of makes me sad since I don't think that that's totally accurate. No, he, by all accounts, in real life is, like, one of the nicest people alive. So... Maybe he's playing an exaggerated version of himself. I don't know. He's definitely playing something. And then the whole thing where they kind of like both lunge at the shirt and rip it in half. I mean, that's just like, that's like child's behavior. Also, it was an ugly shirt. It's like a fine shirt, but it's nothing to fight over. Yeah. uh... I thought there was going to be more Ted Danson in these episodes. If I had known, particularly the first one, if I had known how little Ted Danson there was, I would have dug up something for else else for us to watch i mean there's like some netflix movie some com sorry some family drama about ted danson being sort of the sandwich generation which i wasn't like super keen on watching but maybe i would have picked that over this because it does not give us a lot of fodder for ted danson equals terrific dude month yeah yeah i mean he does sort of come off as I think in the first episode, I actually sort of appreciated that he almost seems like put off. I mean, in both episodes, he seems put off by Larry David. But in this first episode, it's more to me, it's more warranted because I think it's pretty clear to Ted Danson that Larry David is hitting on Mary. So Right. So he comes to... So Larry David and Mary Steenburgen, quote unquote, accidentally switch Barney's bags. And I think... There's no indication of this either way, but I would say probably Larry David did this on purpose because he thought it was going to get Mary Steenburgen to come over to his house alone, which is so creepy. Mm -hmm. Um, And be like, oh, I actually have the wrong bag. And then he would get like extra time with her alone, which is just so barfy. But Ted Danson is the one who ends up coming to be like, yeah, Mary and you switch bags. But like the way he says it is kind of like, what's actually going on here? You know? Yeah. And and so... He kind of takes a, he's got a little barb in at Larry David, but, you know, it felt kind of warranted or it felt at least like you could kind of understand why somebody would react that way. Right. Because Mary Steenburgen comes to Barney's wearing this particular jacket. She says it's a men's jacket. Larry David says he likes it. And then Larry David decides to buy himself the same jacket. And when... Ted Danson comes to the house to switch bags, he sees him wearing that jacket. Both of these episodes revolve around clothing. I didn't put that together. And he says to Larry David, like, oh, maybe you and Mary can kind of like work out your dress code ahead of time or something, you know, kind of that's that's the barb. Yeah. And he seems and he and he's like, oh, you know, I would have I'm surprised. I didn't know you like shopping. And he's like, oh, I love shopping. Like, it's just. Oh, yes. He said I would have figured more for a sports guy or something. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, so it, it feels like 
their interactions feel very forced, but it makes sense to me that they feel forced because I think to a certain degree, you're supposed to get the impression that like Ted Danson is not Larry David's biggest fan. Now, I don't. I would be interested to know what their relationship is like in real life. So I did read an article about this. The New Yorker did an article about the relationship between them. It's not like this. They're actually like really good friends. Okay. So but I kind of have a hard time believing that Ted Danson has like a catty foe, like a, like a catty frenemyship with anybody. But that's interesting that he would elect to be that. Like he would, you know, kind of elect to explore that. Like that's interesting to me. That it wouldn't be like, oh, we're best friends. We really like each other. That they, they, he would kind of elect to be, you know, if let's say Larry David's the protagonist here, which like debatable, but yeah. he's our point of view character. And yeah, he's ten- almost like a, the Walter White of the show. <laughs> I've never watched Breaking Bad, but I would 100% watch that instead of this. But like, he's the protagonist of this show and... It's interesting to me that if he and Ted Danson are really friends, that Ted would be open to like being, you know, not as friendly on this show. I think Ted Danson is pretty secure in the fact that America thinks of him as like a stand-up guy and, and everybody's pal. And he's not concerned about a little HBO show with Larry David, like ruining his reputation. No, I wouldn't think that. It's just... I don't know. It's It's kind of... Maybe he thought it was like a fun exercise to be a little mean... Yeah, I mean, he probably thought it was a fun exercise to play a demon, too, right? Yeah, probably. I mean, can we say that The Good Place is, like, the best thing that Ted Danson has been in since Cheers? We haven't. I mean, he's been in a lot of stuff. uh, But in terms of stuff that is well-known, I think we've probably seen most of the things that are well known in the good places like head and shoulders above all that stuff so maybe he's he was in some small gems although not pontiac moon i was gonna say we should have watched pontiac moon instead (laughs) oh no i would rather watch this than pontiac moon at least this was only like 56 minutes worth of stuff pontiac moon is probably two and a half hours long oh my gosh i'm just spitballing but that's my best guess no thank you yeah exactly I'm feeling pretty done talking about Curb. Yeah, man. I mean, watch Seinfeld instead. Yeah, seriously. Watch literally any episode of Seinfeld and it'll be better than this. Yeah. So what are we up to next? I think uh, July is Scherniverse month, isn't it? Woo! So easy first pick is The Office. Aw. Yes. Why do you sound sad? No, No, that wasn't me sounding sad. That was me being nostalgic. So I think you had made the, the good suggestion that we do the episodes that Mike Schur actually has a cameo in. So we are like very well versed in the office. We don't need to like get up to speed on it by watching the first, like the pilot episode or something like no, we no. are. We were knee deep in the office when it was on TV. So we can kind of pick any episodes. And I think doing the ones that Mike Schur did a cameo in is like a very clever. Did he do more than one? I think so. Um, Moe's Schrute. Season two, season three, season four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He shows up a lot. Okay, good. So we'll pick some of those episodes that he's actually in. Yeah, I think that would be fun. So they might not be our favorite episodes then. Because like sure. if, I, if I had to pick from my favorite episodes, it would definitely be Casino Night. But I don't think he's in that one. You gotta know and to hold them. Oh, that's later. That's the firewalk. Or that's the, yeah, the firewalk that she does on the beach. Okay, okay. I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of The Office the way you do. I just have an encyclopedic knowledge of Jim and Pam before 
they went off the rails a little bit, but I think it'd be fun to watch the episodes with Moe's in them. Uh, yeah, I think we will. So we'll have plenty to pick from. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, Moe's is named after Moe's from the reality te- television show Amish in the City. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. Me too. This is, this is solid ground, finally. You know, yeah. we did Cheers, and that was solid ground, and everything since Cheers has been very shaky. Well, The Incredibles, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about Ted Dance. I'm talking about yeah. our theme month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's been it's been very questionable and up in the air, but like the office, we we got that one cold, so yes. it's gonna be okay. We love we love. So I think that should be fun. Yeah, let's yeah let's put this in a drawer and pretend that we never addressed it. Okay, cool. Uh, all right. Know when to hold him and know when to fold him. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. <laughs> all right. Uh, until next time, remember that uh, temporary teeth are not supposed to look like chiclets. We'll see you next time, ding dongs. So should I just make it a thing that every time you're away from the microphone, I say something about the content that we're participating in this week, and then you put it as the stinger? Because I I enjoyed that last time, so uh, maybe we could do some kind of a callback this week to that. Except there's really no jokes to be made about this, except for maybe like, I too would hit Larry David in the face with a pinata stick. That's probably too mean, huh? You decide. Sorry about that.